0: no no i mean i was thinking seven hours i mean honestly in my head i was like all right are totally blowing this out of proportion you know and we're talking to alex candelario which you probably saw in the documentary Uh yeah and i mean the guy's silver medal at road national championships and like i mean olympic caliber cyclist and uh he's like oh yeah yeah it should take like 12 hours and I'm like, dude, you are so just janking our chain, you know? There's just no way that a 60 mile ride is gonna take us 12 <laughs> hours. I mean, we're not walking. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's just say there's some things that really became crystal clear about this thing and started to make a hell of a lot of sense. I mean, it's just insane.
1: From KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I'm your host, Trevor. And this is Sheldon. And on today's episode, we talk to pro mountain biker Jeremiah Bishop. Sheldon, what can we say about Jeremiah Bishop?
0: Well,
2: I mean, if we were to start listing off accomplishments, uh, we would never even get to our interview because it would take, <laughs> it would take the full two hours. He has had
1: like, qu- quite the career, for sure.
2: <laughs> uh, Jeremiah Bishop is been or has been on the U.S. national team eighteen times. He has won the notorious Margie Gesick uh, up in the UP both in 2017 and 2018, but. Like I said, his accomplishment list, it's, it's a book in itself.
1: We reached out to Jeremiah um, to kind of talk about a couple of the things he's been doing recently, some of the big rides that uh, he has taken part in, um, what he's doing uh, now in terms of his career. And we chat about ways that we all can stay motivated and inspired throughout this current lockdown and situation that we're in. Before we get into that conversation, um, Sheldon, it hasn't been too long since we've talked. Is there anything new in terms of riding or um, news that, uh, that, that we need to, to talk about before we get into this, uh, before we get into the interview?
2: So uh, being in a new area, I've been kind of going out doing these little adventure rides trying to you know figure out <laughs> the area around me. And it didn't, doesn't matter how far I seem to ride out, I, uh, I'm, I've i been struggling to find gravel. And I uh, hopped on gravel maps. and
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I saw this. I saw you put this up.
2: There is no gravel for about 20 to 30 miles in any direction from me. Oh, so man. all my, uh, I'm used to, you know, five, 10 minute ride out of town and boom, I'm into gravel. That is not the case here
1: anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, just like uh I, I think actually we kind of talk about this with Jeremiah. It's more of like an urban you just uh urban exploration, right? Yeah, it's
2: uh yeah, I've just kind of been going out, taking a lot of pictures. Um it's fun in its own right, but man, it's it's not nearly as relaxing as uh going out to some dirt road in north of town and relaxing and not seeing a car for, you know, 30 40 miles.
1: Now you you said relaxing and and I agree. A lot of my riding, um, just all season so far, even though I've gotten some big miles in, I really haven't had a need to really push it. The other day, I was warming up on Zwift. I was just just riding on Zwift, and my brother texts me. He says, "Hey, I'm going to jump on a race here in a few minutes. Are you are you free?" And I'm like, "I'm Zwifting already. So let's do it." <coughs> so so we did. This was my first uh, my first official Zwift race. Um, I didn't know really how it would go, but man, my heart saw a heart rate that hasn't been there for months. <laughs> it was. I hear it,
2: those. I hear those races. It's like right out of the gate. There is no warm up. There's no like pacing. It's just people attack, attack, attack.
1: Yeah, it's like a hundred percent the the whole time. It was like twenty miles, so um, a little less than an hour. And, uh, it was, it was pretty hot the whole, the whole way, but it was fun. I have to How say, did you do? um, I did pretty good. I, I hung, I hung in there, um, I don't, I don't think results really matter in these things. It's just getting out there and doing it, but I didn't get dropped. I stayed up at the front and I had, I had zero sprint at the end, but I, I managed to get ninth or something like that. And I, so there's, there's different categories. There's like the A category, which seems ridiculous. I didn't want to try that, but there's a B category that goes from like three Watts per kilogram to four Watts per per kilogram. So I just hung in there with the B category and yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'll, I'll probably try to do something like that once a week. Because without these group rides where you're doing all these really huge efforts, I find that I really don't have that kind of motivation to get my heart rate up there on my own. So it was a lot of fun. Nice, nice. I know that other people are finding ways to get some of these, uh, maybe higher intensity workouts in on their solo rides. And we'll kind of keep talking about this. I mentioned the grit series last week, um, and that's still going on. And, uh, there's a lot of other like Strava segment challenges going on throughout the state. I'm sure throughout the country where people are, are heavily motivated to get out there and give a hard effort for some of these, um, these, these individual, uh, challenges. So I, yeah,
2: I the Ann Arbor I, Vallejo club started one also.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, i kind of been seeing it, um, popping up on, on Facebook and Instagram. So I, I love it. I love to see this motivation and people continuing to, uh, challenge themselves and ride and push themselves through all of this. So great job, everyone. Keep it up.
2: So in episode 14, we sat down with a mountain biker, Mark Krantz, and he was just getting ready to head down for two weeks to his training camp with Jeremiah Bishop in Virginia.
1: Yeah, and through that conversation, Sheldon and I were talking and thinking how great it would be if we could have our own conversation with Jeremiah Bishop, kind of pick his brain about a couple things. So we reached out to him, and uh, yeah, he was gracious enough to... Um, give us some of his time and man that guy he's very personable we barely had to <laughs> ask him any questions he was ready to talk so so let's jump in
0: cool so i guess we're having coffee together it's uh pretty good i got my Raw ranch mug oh. a friend of mine owns a um, sort of a bike touring center uh, we do this um, yearly retreat to the Raw Talent Ranch which is this uh, bike cabin place at 3000 feet uh, up in West Virginia and a friend of mine who's an old courier runs this uh, bike camp and usually the pros in Virginia um, will all congregate we normally don't see each other a whole lot because of the busy season but Ben King, Joe Dombrowski and Tim Rugg and um eddie anderson's been there um brian lewis keck baker gordon wadsworth some of the other uh, mountain bike guys and we get together and um jay's wife audrey makes these mugs and she also makes t-shirts for each year and yeah it's kind of my favorite mug of all time it's like handmade well coffee and beer coffee, coffee and beer are like the most important coffee. parts of cycling right yeah i'd say they definitely are traditional highly traditional
1: So, yeah, we are um, catching you in the morning. Have you already uh, gotten, like, a five-hour training session in? Oh,
0: no, I actually slept in for uh, a change. You know, I'm I'm surprisingly polar as far as, um, you know, my mornings. Like, I'm either, like, up at 5 in the morning or 4.30 in the morning, you know, in the car or off to the airport or training, or, um, like, if it's a chill day, then, yeah, I'll, I'll relax and sleep in, enjoy sitting on the back porch, and, yeah, I've, I've learned to be able to turn it off sometimes. You know, I invited being a cyclist to go and climb that volcano a few weeks ago, and he just released a video. It's called The Impossible Hill Climb, Yeah, and it's awesome. It's, I actually watched your video awesome. last night. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, cool. I, that was amateur uh level editing you know but um his is going to be a lot more entertaining a lot better developed and you know it's kind of like when you've got um, a film project and you've got like uh, scorsese or i don't know you've got like (laughs) pro like yeah i'm like yeah i know my video is gonna suck compared to his but i can ride my bike and he can you know (laughs) you <laughs> can try to keep up with me on the bike and it's just not going to happen so it's kind of the same thing
2: sure um when you were talking about that 13 percent grade as your one hand on the
0: handlebars like of course i yeah i got good balance you know and <laughs> been, been, uh been riding for a long time and yeah practicing um yeah riding with no hands riding track stands stuff like that has, has actually helped um, I have not crashed with a camera in my hand yet. I'm sure it's going to happen, but uh, glad it hasn't happened yet.
2: When you were doing that, what kind of camera were you using? and were, Did you have like a mount, or were you just straight up holding a GoPro in your hand?
0: I actually shot... Um, it's interesting, because I had this um, new GoPro uh, 8 Black, uh-huh. uh, which is incredible. But the battery ran out. And I'm an amateur. I'm a hack when it comes to like videography. I didn't know you're supposed to have backup batteries. <laughs> you know, vegan cyclist pulls out this bag and it's got like <laughs> different kinds of gimbals. He's got two drones. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, well, I'll use this one for like the follow. And then this one is a little lighter, so it's better in the wind. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I got this this camera I just got, and then the other one that I actually really like shooting with just because it's so small is oh. this um, session. So the session is oh, uh, super cool because you just have that like button on the top. Um, they discontinued it, which is a bugger, but uh, really glad I got it because the touchscreen too with the gloves is really tricky. you're like trying to swipe and stuff and yeah <clears throat> this one I just have the audio recording, GoPro start recording, and then it'll record while I'm actually riding, which is super cool. Um, yeah, and the shot quality is is pretty good. It's got image stabilization. Um, this bigger camera, I mean, you can do stills a little bit better. You can change like the um, the shot width and things like that uh, a little bit better. But yeah, man, it's it's um, yeah. I'm using like a head strap for my uh, chest cam. That's kind of like how basic you know my setup is but yeah he's got all the stuff and and luckily he brought some extra um, cameras yeah i'm learning some tricks from him for sure he definitely has his stuff dialed
1: so in terms of just the the that volcano ride itself I, i i don't remember if it was your strava title or tyler's strava title about like it was like impossible or was one of the hardest rides you've ever done was that a hyperbole or was it actually one of the hardest climbs or rides that you've ever, ever percent? Yeah. Without hesitation. Yeah. I mean,
0: when you do something, so I was, I was hoping to do the official like world's hardest hill climb because, you know, I'm on Strava and people really look at that and I'm like, well, I know my form is good, and I know that if I do this segment, if I have a good run at it, I have a very good likelihood of getting this Strava segment. Um, the guy took it as a pro track racer, uh, very, very solid Olympic rider. Um, but he's also not a climber. Um, I'm really good at the high elevation stuff. And, and so I'm thinking, like, okay, well, we can do that. Or we can do the longer one and then once we get to this like last you know two hours of the climb, I'll go really hard and see if I can take the upper half. If I can take the upper segment, then you know, then I could prove that if I wanted to, I could have taken the other segment. but dude, by the time I got there, I mean I was like just smashed and all <laughs> I could think about was trying to keep moving. And I picked it up a little bit, like at nine to ten thousand feet. Like I, you know, kind of started to drive the pace and give it a good hard push, but just couldn't. Like, I mean, yeah, I couldn't go any harder. I mean, I was just pegged, just trying to keep the gear turning. Like, now, did you guys do
2: this at the beginning of the vacation or at the end?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it was actually the middle. It was the middle. Um. Not a stranger to planning these big trips and, um, you know, the jet lag's a big factor. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Um, you know, we were only in Hawaii for a week and we were on Kauai um, with family and my wife. She was not too happy about me leaving, you know.
1: <laughs> I was wondering only how that
0: would. <laughs> oh, it did not go really well. Um, especially, I thought I was going to be able to take an Uber and there's no Uber in Kauai that would pick. <laughs> Up to get to the airport uh, to do this like puddle jumper flight to um, Honolulu and then Honolulu to the big island and uh, I was like I'm gonna have to take the rental car um, <laughs> so I'm leaving her there with no rental car oh, no <laughs> so did not go well <laughs> you know I actually would have a good reality TV like YouTube if I could record that interaction <laughs> but let's just say it wasn't pretty <laughs>
2: you know. so uh it took you what about nine and a half hours
0: to do the climb itself yeah the actual elapsed time was like nine thirty-eight or something like that i had to do the math on it because the garmin i was running died these things if you're running navigation on them don't last super long um and I guess maybe, you know, I saw it was 90% charge or I don't know. I mean, there's so much stuff to figure out when you're like charging your lights, you're charging your, um, you know, GoPros, you're charging your Garmin's, your phones. Um, it's a lot of stuff to uh, be on top of. And, you know, I think, um, yeah, that was one of the things that, you know, I didn't think, okay, well, what if this takes, you know, 9 to 12 hours, Um and when you add the navigation, yeah, that's what killed it. Was the
2: navigation? Yeah. What was the time that you guys were kind of shooting for? Were Were you thinking kind of that similar time frame of nine and a half hours, or were you kind of
0: planning? Uh, no, no. I mean, I was thinking seven hours. I mean, honestly, <laughs> oh, in my head, I was like, all right, guys, are totally blown. It's out of proportion, you know. And we're talking to Alex Candelario, which you probably saw in the documentary. Uh-huh. Yeah, and Alex. I mean, the guy's silver medal at Road National Championships. And, like, I mean, Olympic caliber cyclist. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it should take like 12 hours. And I'm like, dude, you are so just janking our chain, you know? There's just no way that a 60 mile ride is going to take us 12 <laughs> hours. I mean, we're not walking. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's just say. There's some things that really became crystal clear about this thing and started to make a hell of a lot of sense. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't believe it, Trevor. We hit, like, this first pitch, and I've, I've – not since Costa Rica. There's, there's only one other place in the world, and I race mountain bikes. Um, so when you race mountain bikes, you will climb stuff that is just more mind-boggling. Racing in the Alps, the Pyrenees, in Costa Rica – um You'll you'll climb stuff that they won't pave. You know, They'll, there's just logging roads and just like wicked steep stuff. So usually I really you know usually dig the steep stuff. I have no problem with it, but this was ridiculous. I mean the uh, pitches of forty percent. I mean oh like yeah, I mean you put a suitcase on it and it just starts to slide down the hill type of pitch. <laughs> and you know how video doesn't do it justice. Oh, okay. And even in the video, it did look steep. It actually did look steep in the video. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It was pretty flabbergasted because we descended in the dark, and all you see is like, you know, Alex engages the four engages the four wheel drive. You see all these like scratch marks on the guardrail, oh. and like you know, the ground is like scraped up on the switchbacks from the bottoms of cars, and um, the pavement's really really rough. And I'm on like a 40C squabby g1s and i'm like slipping out i'm running a knobby 40c tire (laughs) and like the rear wheels like spinning on the concrete i mean it's uh it's a rough way to start a big climb like that so very very slow going um and you have sort of these challenges you know like these hurdles and i think vegan cyclist his video is really good at breaking it down he kind of had these graphics for each section um uh, he should have had Embarrassment Beach as the first one, though. I think he kind of missed <laughs> missed missed that one, <laughs> where he falls over in the sand. Sorry, <laughs> Tyler, but yeah, it was, it was really really funny. But then, yeah, you have the you have the YPO uh, Valley Climb, and you've got like you know a flat section of pavement, you know, where it's two percent, you know, no big deal. Um, but you're going and going and going. Then you've got the like. Uh, you know, that jungle, and then you've got the grasslands, and then you've got the rubble, um, which is almost like a single track, uh, like a double track Jeep road with all these like big rocks in it, um, which comes out really well. It does convey actually pretty well in the video. And then you've got the volcanic area where it's like above tree line, it's all like blackened and, and orange and um, just really like, freaky uh, lunar landscape. Um But the thing to your point, Trevor, about how this thing really, um, accumulates, you know, and I started to think about it a little bit, like in the week coming up to it. And I was like, wow, you know, running it like full gas, like, you know, averaging 265 watts at Leadville, like for six hours. I mean, that's like the record, all time record at Leadville. And within a couple minutes of that, um, yeah, I mean that's really hard. I mean you're just completely destroyed and you fall over in the grass afterward and have to recover because you're just your your tank is so empty. And then you add like Pike's Peak Hill climb to that. Oh, and that's what yeah. you're looking at when you finish. I mean, when I turned that corner and you looked up and you could just see the switchbacks and the snow cap just like two hours, you know, up the hill. I mean, that is a mind bender. I mean, you turn that corner, you feel like you just finished Leadville 100, and you turn the corner and you look up and you go, You're just, heart sinks, and you're like, That's going to be rough. You know, because it's coming at hour, uh, you know, hour eight and nine, I mean, the length becomes such a big factor. Because your tank is empty, I mean, there's no way you can eat enough to keep up with that calorie expenditure. So pacing, super critical.
1: so obviously, you're still you're still riding strong and your fitness is strong. Um, but your career as a cyclist has kind of developed and changed a little bit. um I mean, you've you put in uh, quite an impressive time as a as a as a racer and a rider. And I know that you do coaching. And now mm-hmm. you're an ambassador. Um, do you see your role as a cyclist fundamentally different in those, in those roles? Or is it kind of philosophically, do you see it kind of all the same um, or approaching it the same way? I'm approaching it the same way as I have for the last five years.
0: I mean, the racing was, you know, such a big part of my life for, for so long. That I had the World Cup racing career, and yeah, I mean, we ha- would have interviews or interact with media, and having social presence and reaching the fans was important. Sure. And then I turned into ultra-endurance racing, and that's a little bit more like sharing the adventure for the, the sport of mountain biking. Um, and then now, as an ambassador for Canyon, i um, able to tell the stories, I'm able to do the races, Um, getting people excited about long rides and adventure. I'm also doing advocacy work. Um, Things like Love Trails, which is a micro donation uh, app for people with cell phones that want to donate when they're out on the road, traveling to races and things like that to local trail groups. And um, Yeah, just like staying involved in, in sharing Stoke for the sport. And I think that really, because that's always been a part of what I do, Canyon appreciates the value of You know, the authenticity of it, you know, it's just something I do and believe in. And, you know, if I wasn't working for Canyon tomorrow, then I'd be doing the same thing. I mean, I'd be trying to make ends meet, but yeah, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be, um, you know, creating routes, hosting the Alpine Loop Grand Fondo, you know, or hosting a mountain bike race, um, doing videos, you know, and and... That's just part of what I do
1: Where does the uh, Obviously motivation When you are looking toward a race Or a huge endurance event The motivation is obvious uh, mm-hmm. Competing uh, Finishing But where, where's the motivation as you are an ambassador As, you're, as you said Spreading the stoke of cycling what, what gives you that motivation
0: When I see people smile When I see people try something new Or start riding or get involved with trail work. I mean, those things are really awesome. The things that I'm most proud about are getting kids into riding. Like um, we have the Virginia High School Mountain Bike Association in the spring. Uh, then NICA we have in the fall. Um, I've been helping a little bit just to cheerlead those efforts. And I'll show up at races and things like that and ride with the kids. Um, yeah, those are the things I'm most proud of, honestly. You know, race the races I'm very proud of as well. But it's kind of a different feeling, you know. Yeah, I enjoy that that part of it. That's that's a motivator. Obviously, you know, this time period um, with coronavirus and things shutting down as far as events go, it's a big challenge because most of most of the fun that I get out of it now is like attending races or going to demos and trying to interact with people through a regular. Um, Zwift ride was one of the goals that I had actually before this. I was like, well, maybe I'll do like a Monday or you know something that's consistent. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm doing a Monday open Zwift ride. It's a totally social ride. You know, it's a um, coffee ride. So it's with Team Dirt. So dads who ride inside dads <laughs> inside riding trainers is what it stands for. <laughs> kind of an acronym. And, uh, and uh, but this group has grown. I mean, it's a surprising number of dads that are on Zwift, you know, they've got regular nine to five job. They are super time crunched. So when they get off of work, they're, you know, with their kids, taking their kids to soccer, doing whatever. And so their time to like load up the stuff and drive to the, the trailhead and ride is really limited. So, you know, that's kind of like the week, the Friday to Sunday routine. And then, you know, they do this like, um, series of Zwift rides uh, some are hard. Some are easy. So Monday, 6.15 a.m., I'll be doing the um, Monday Blues ride uh, for Team Dirt. So I'm a guest there. I'll have my uh, headphones on and I'll be on Discord and we'll be chatting and just talking and nice. kind of just hanging out, you know, chatting up bikes, talking about beer, talking about, you know, the like important life. Yeah, the important yeah. stuff, you know, people need a good distraction. So it's really neat. We've got these tools in place. And, you know, there'll be negatives, of course, with this thing, but there will also be positives. And I mean, like chatting with you guys now is just, it's so cool that we can do this type of stuff. And it keeps us connected. I think it's an important, um, kind of an important, sorry for Garmin's beeping at me. Yeah, so it's super important, I think, just to stay connected. So I'm going to do the Monday ride. I'm doing the Thursday ride. Uh, we've got a Graveler's ride um, with Peter Stetna. Um, so I did the Deacon Cyclist hundred mile ride the day before yesterday. I'm still feeling it. Like I was dying. I mean they averaged twenty five and a half miles per hour, twenty six miles per hour. Oh my god. Like ride. So I mean it's a little bit faster than real outside, but literally it felt like trying to hold four hour century pace. I mean it was crazy fast. So I'm trying to you know do a consistent ride per week. So catch up with me. I'll have uh the plan for next week's race um figured out by uh end of today and then I'll make a post about it um just so you can watch or or tune in. And-
1: I mean, it's I think it's interesting you were talking um just in terms of connection and that we can still find ways to connect with each other despite being disconnected. Um and how that is motivating in itself, staying connected in creative ways. Are you still coaching? And I'm wondering how you're trying to share this motivation or um, motivate your athletes and stay connected to them. Um, Is it through things like Zwift or through video conferencing? I'm
0: still kind of doing the same as I always have done. The real difficulty, Trevor, as you were talking about, is is athletes – we're so motivated by the events. You know, if you've got Grand Fondo in New York coming up in three weeks, dude, you are like stoked. Or if you've got Transylvania Epic, got my little TSE trophy from last year. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like this uh, charity, Pennsylvania charity. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if you've got an event like this coming up, I mean, it's super easy just to, like, hunker down and throw some serious ball. You know, that's how i really motivated is break it down into blocks coming into each of these things. But that theory applies even with sub-goals. So let's say, uh, Sheldon, what's your, like, best um, FTP of the year, like, usually? I don't want to talk about this year. <laughs> well
2: maybe, maybe we'll talk ever, <laughs> Let, ever, all time. Uh, it would have been
0: uh, three nine five. awesome, it's really high. Yeah, so if you look at like um, the difference between where you are and where you were then, I mean those those things can become goals. And what's what's interesting is if you sort of break it down and say, all right, well, Hopefully we'll be doing some races by the end of the summer. And then regardless, I'm going to try to go for my course PR on the big bear loop or on the Shenandoah mountain trail, you know? So if there's no racing, then I'm going to go out and I'm going to do my like, like hardcore four hour rise best I can and see if I can break that time. Well, then you can create really good benchmarks coming into that. Um, and then, you know, you might have a hill climb that you do your test on or, you know, a stretch of road that you do your test on or, you know, some kind of um, sub goals. You know, I've got like Shenandoah Mountain Trail I'd like to do. I've got uh, the ring, Mass Nut and Ring, which is on the dirty to-do list. And, you know, those things are, are kind of like filling in. For now, I'd like to win his Zwift race. But yeah, I mean, you can build, you can still build to your best. The thing is, when you're trying to beat other people in a race, it's a lot more immediate feedback. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. if you went out and you did 400 watts for 20 minutes, you know, for your best ever FTP, you would feel like, I mean, sure, that puts you in a very, very small club of the fittest you know, riders in the world that can do that. Oh, to
2: be clear, I was talking 3.95 watts per kilogram. Okay, it was not a 400 <laughs>
0: Okay, I was you said 3.95. I was like, holy crap, this guy's
1: fast. Thank you. No. <laughs> Sheldon, I'm so glad you, you said that because I was like, you are a lying <laughs> son of a bitch, well,
2: man. Like, no, I said it and then I was like, that sounded wrong. No, 3.95 watts per kilogram.
0: <laughs> got it, got it. Which is still very good, by the way. But I was like, dang, this guy better, uh, we better get, a copy. yeah, we got to sign him. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all relative, you know, it's about, it's about doing your own thing. And, and, you know, one of the goals that I have, I know it sounds silly is to do a manual. And I am like so close <laughs> at age 44 to like doing a manual. I've got, I've got it down to like 15 feet, but I want to be able to like ride it all the way down the block, That's awesome. I know it sounds like a silly goal, but guess what? I'm totally fired up about this. Like, (laughs) it's going to happen. Other things I have the time for. One of the things that I feel like a mountain biker, it's important to do trail work once a month. But I was so busy working. Like, you know, you get home from a demo and then you're so tired from loading the truck, unloading the truck. You've got tent weights. Each one's 30 pounds. Um, You drive your tail off and then you get home you unload everything you know and you're reaching bikes and they're you know in really weird places and you're just exhausted i mean it feels like CrossFit for an hour each each side of the trip and uh then you like have to train the next day and you know going to the gym already to do some like very specific work yeah the trail work was like the last thing and so i haven't gotten around to that so i'm gonna do some trail work today and you know what are your motivators and tap into your motivators to give you that like little extra oomph, you know, for, for the training. And so the next time, you know, I'm out there, I'm going to be thinking about trying to finish the mass nut and ring, you know, I'll be out there training. I'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to push and and just keep it going, you know? And it's not really, um, You know, it's not going to last forever. This is going to be a period in history, and we're going to get through it. I think there will be some precautions for quite a long time, but I think we will be able to have some forms of races. We might have mountain bike races that are time trials in the end of the summer. We might have more Zwift races, but there will be some racing, trust me. And the people who stay in shape for it are going to be so glad because when this race, when the races start again, it's gonna be like popcorn popping. It's gonna be Definitely. so fun, um, and I can't wait to get back to racing. I mean, it's just, it's the best. It's so awesome. Campfires afterward, beer, Shenandoah 100. It's just, uh, you know, okay. that's the stuff I live for. So, God, just, God, just make it, you know, make it back to that. So
2: I know the the question that a lot of Midwesterners prior having was uh, in your original plan for the season was
0: Margie and the cards. You know, the Margie was on my schedule actually this year. Really, And I, again, (laughs) have a love-hate relationship with that race. Most people do. I actually like the trails there a lot. The trails are awesome. Um, The thing with the Margie Gessick is, like a lot of other ultra-endurance challenges... You, um, yeah, I mean, you crush yourself pretty hard. I mean, it's really, really hard. So it's kind of one of those things that you're like, oh, boy, it's going to hurt. (laughs) (laughs) And you can think about it a lot as it gets closer, you know. You know, as they build more good trail there, the the trail is just uh, always slightly different. You know, they route it a little bit different or they add a little more single track. And they're stoked about adding single track. And I'm usually stoked about adding single track, but that race is just going to get even harder uh, if they add much more single track to it. Um, but, yeah, it's a super cool place, and I really love the lake. Uh, it's like an inland ocean. Um, the rocks and the lake, it's really a beautiful place. I didn't expect it to be, um, you know, such a highlight. Um, but, to, you know, what you were saying, Trevor, I think the, the other thing is absence makes the heart grow stronger. You know, the Mm. the love of racing right now, if you spend any time racing or going back, you know, in your mind through the pictures of of racing that you did in the past. I mean, right now, you know, I kind of really forgot that I had this, you know, kind of sitting in a box next to my computer, but I've got my Leadville belt buckle. Nice. Ooh. And what year was that one? I... It wasn't last year because it was the 25th, so I think it's the 24th, so 2018. You know, not being able to race, I mean, really makes you appreciate how cool it is and how awesome these things are. And so I think we'll see a lot of people who are really fired up. The other thing that's a strange phenomenon—I don't know if you guys noticed this there—and I'm going to have to ask the guys at Strava, but it seems like more people are riding bikes. I mean, just, like, normal people. I've never seen as many people, like, on the $800 mountain bike to cruising, like, smiling and enjoying spring. Well, I went out yesterday,
2: and I started, like, half the ride was on the road, and then half the ride was kind of on this long paved river trail. I hit this paved river trail, and it was like... Iceman last year. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I, it, since Iceman, I don't think I've said on your left so many times. And it was you know people walking their dogs, people out on like you said these eight hundred dollar you know their Walmart bikes. There were just people everywhere, and it was it was like we're trying to be social distancing, especially up in here in Michigan. And I don't know how how it is down south right now, but we're on basically full lockdown. And it was, like, why? it was like a concert just got out. There were just people everywhere. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you have to learn pretty quick. And, you know, I think it's important. There was a comment on the Strava um, Strava's Facebook page. That comment said, you know, how about traffic at trail areas? Because they've got the data. So they could say, all right, well, everybody seems to be going between 9 and 10 a.m. You know, that's when the peak hours are at the Spike Pass and that'd be really useful information. Um, as you know, no one wants to ride when it's raining out. Um, so any places like that, that are common trailheads, I'm not going to go to during, you know, a sunny, you know, sunny mid morning, like it's just overrun, uh, or not overrun, but you know, pretty busy and right now it's it's not too hard to spread out if you just go at the right time and i'm sure if you're out at like five in the morning you're not going to see anybody um and the same thing if you go to the right places so you know i'll do the bike path spin like you know if it's like a misty tuesday afternoon or something on the way back into town but uh yeah some of the areas too are just um you know, it's fun to just go and seek out new areas. So one of the other things that I'm doing, just to kind of keep fans engaged, kind of keep the canyon, you know, love out there, is um, doing some contests. And so I've got this really cool contest with with GPS. Um, and uh, you can also do it on Strava or even Trail Forks. doesn't matter what platform you use, but it's a route planning contest. And it doesn't need to be like, you know, the most amazing route ever it's just a random drawing i'm going to draw two prize boxes one of the prize boxes is going to have one of my custom autographed uh monogram jerseys from cutaway um so i'm the only person in the world that has this jersey it's got the stars and stripes on the sleeve um should be pretty cool you know a little collector's item some canyon hat canyon t-shirt uh stickers uh, so I have two swag boxes. One will be like you know some stock Canyon swag. I also have some of my um, autograph posters. Nice. And I'll, ha- I'll have something else surprising in there too. I'm not going to spoil it, but I've I've uh, I got another little trinket in there. But you'll just have to see it when it shows up uh, for whoever wins this thing. Anyway, so the idea is roads less traveled. So it could be a road or trail that you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a way to link things that no one's done before so if you live in an urban area you know maybe there's a you know abandoned railroad track that you know about but a lot of people don't ride and you know you'd link in two trail areas you know and then you come back through under a tunnel like crazy figure eight but it's a new route right so the idea is it's not about um you know, going crazy with it. It could be a 12-mile route, but just a really unique couple features or unique composition. So it's like, you know, a fun lockdown project, you know? Like, man.
2: I'm in Detroit. I feel like I'm going to get mugged trying to make this route.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Detroit, I bet you could make some of the coolest Urban Assault, like, rides. Like, I mean, old... Like uh, the old Hackard you know. facility. And... Yeah. yeah, I bet the kind of stuff. I mean, you could probably cobble together some crazy stairs, some loading docks. I mean, add some pictures to it. It'd be awesome. I have a feeling I know what I'm doing out
2: uh, this afternoon because <laughs> it is, here in Michigan, it is a beautiful day. And as soon as I get out
0: of here, I'm going to get up and not go hop on the bike. Yeah, I was a courier for one uh, winter, and I just love, like, the graffiti and, like, the, you know, these abandoned urban spaces are really cool to ride. They're really actually pretty fun to check out. Detroit Uh, street art is pretty amazing right now. Yeah, that's
1: pretty rad. So I think what I keep hearing is, you know, I don't want to downplay how hard this is on people, this lockdown and people that are really having a tough time, but it's forcing all of us. It's forcing you Um, it's forcing everyone to be a little more creative. And then through that creativity, we can actually come up with some pretty fantastic new things that I hope will continue when we're outside of this and that creativity will just keep moving.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I think there's so um, so much positive energy. People are you know creative in how they reach each other and you know even just in our conversation i was thinking how cool would it be to put together um some training videos for some of the Nike kids you know these yeah. kids are at home and they're either on youtube you know just or playing video games mm. you know they could be doing some really cool drills and bike games um and that would that would not be too hard for me to put together like it would be really fun to share some of the stuff that I think is um helps gamify training you know I like to not even call it training sometimes like the stuff that I do is really just uh it's like bike practice you know it's it's doing fun stuff on the wobble board it's doing braking drills in the grass and so sharing that would be super fun so yeah be easy to do too
1: well obviously we can. We can probably talk to you for hours, but uh, we don't want to take up uh, much more of your time. But I do have a very important question. We maybe what is your uh, two questions? I guess, but it's they're related. Um, your go-to beer after a race, and then your go-to beer as you're uh, just like winding down at the house.
0: I would say those are two different beers. So yeah. you mean my two beer right after a ride?
1: Right after a ride, yeah. Sure. Anything, anything that's put in your face?
0: <laughs> Miller High Life. <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> you no,
0: know, it's, it's more like a water beer, you know?
1: Uh-huh.
0: I, I think Stella is also like, that's kind of like the European Miller High Life. It's yep. like the super, it's a sudsy, low alcohol beer. You know, you won't completely fall over and, and get knocked <laughs> on your ass. Um, and then my go-to beer, uh, at least this week, has been Little Hellion. By brothers craft brewing in harrisonburg okay um, as a couple of them they actually ride bikes but they uh they sponsor the alpine Loop gran fondo um but that's not exactly why i mentioned them i mentioned it because they're just really really good brewers and they have a just a real eclectic mix of uh different styles of beer um and they're really into the craft of it um also like uh Troganator, that one's really good um you know, it, it all just kind of depends on where I am. Sure. You know, like Bells, if I'm in the Midwest doing a race, of yeah. course, is, uh, it has to happen. And, you know, if I'm in Pennsylvania, you know, some of the some of those beers have to, you know, get their play time. And yeah, um, so good. but yeah, it's uh, yeah, really great to have some good local breweries in Harrisonburg. You know, we've got quite a few in Virginia and uh, yeah, brothers, check them out. Really, really good beer. Um, well, new- Double. Yeah, double on the subject double. of consumables. Um
2: Trevor shames me all the time. And the first time you and I oh. ever interacted on social media was about baby food. And <laughs> Trevor does not get the baby food.
1: Yeah, those and- baby food packets. I don't I don't understand it. Do you do you actually use those baby food packets as a uh, as your nutrition on a ride?
0: I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna tell the entire truth. <laughs> That's another good thing, Trevor, is this whole, like, coronavirus thing. Like, I will I will just tell you like it is. I'm, I'm a little less bashful to be myself, and I will open up a little bit.
1: Good, good, good. Um,
0: you know, I think that is so funny you brought that up, Sheldon. I never had considered baby food before that moment of desperation when I ran out of food at Margie. I was ready to eat mud. And I mean, but that's like all there was, you know, I mean, I was like, Hey, uh, I got some Skittles and some, no, I think he said he had baby food. And the other thing was really, really unappealing, like some carrots, you know, like one (laughs) calorie per carrot, you know? (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I tried the baby food and I was like, damn, whoa, this is good. It's like (laughs) apple sauce, man. Apple cinnamon. And so I actually eat these, like, uh, like, steal some of my kids. They've got these little yogurt packets, which I really like. So it's actually stuck with me a little bit, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, all these things are packages. They're yeah. really easy to eat. They're, like, usually, you know, milled up or, or you know, really hydrated. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Some of that stuff sticks with you. And uh, I like to shake it up a bit, you know. Um, sometimes Brian Vaughn with Goo will send me some stuff. I've been checking out some, um, this stuff called Flow Formulas, which is like this, uh, he sent me some samples, really pretty good stuff. A um, nice thing about not actually having a quote-unquote sponsor is I get to eat what I want, sure. which is important when you ride your bike this damn much, um, to be able to have some variety. Boys and girls out there, make sure you try the baby food. It's awesome. <laughs> yes.
1: Um. But- Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, I'll try it Um, So, and you did You did mention the Fondo Do you want to tell us a little bit about your Fondo?
0: Totally Um, Yeah, the Alpine Loop Grand Fondo This is the 10th year we've had this thing And um, Yeah, it is Sort of like a celebration Usually a celebration at the end of the season If we have it this year uh, It'll be the celebration Of of the year, yeah, um, just yeah. ride bike outside with a group of people. Um, but the Alpine Loop Grand Fondo has been going on now. Uh, yeah, this would be year number ten, and uh, it's hundred plus miles. It's one of my toughest road training routes. So the gravel that we have in this thing is it's a little bit more like state maintained dirt roads. You know, so you don't need like a full suspension gravel bike with. 2.0 tires. It's sure. totally like traditional, you know, drop bar mayhem. And, uh, but it's just so cool because you start in the city, you know, we've got this small college town or, you know, college. It's a small city, basically, 50,000 people. And then you get out into the countryside, the Mennonite um, countryside of the Shenandoah Valley. It's this bucolic, green uh, open countryside. Then you get up on, over to Shenandoah mountain, which, uh, is like this giant, uh, this wall of a climb. Um, this climb is, uh, to go outbound takes most people about 25 minutes. And then the climb on the way back is a little bit more like 35 minutes, nice. um, to get back over. But once you get over, you're into wild and wonderful West Virginia. I mean, it's just like remote there are log cabins, yeah forest deer bear it's just it's a magical place out there i love riding in west virginia it's um you know really something and one of the few places on the east coast where the population is less than in the late 1800s wow so um yeah it's wild man real real escape and then uh, you climb back up into virginia we have time segments on the climbs um which I think is really special about our event. So it's not a race from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Like before two years ago, I'd never done another Grand Fondo, which is kind of funny because uh, you run a Grand Fondo, right? Well, my wife actually runs it, but I kind of came up with it. And so what we created was what, in my imagination, I thought would be a Grand Fondo, right? <laughs> Well, it turns out the other big American Grand Fondos aren't as cool as I thought they were supposed to be in my (laughs) mind, as far as like, okay, a Grand Fondo is an Italian cycling style cycling event that is a festive event. It's, It's about being social, it's about a big challenge. Grand Fondo means great challenge. And it's about doing something with your buddies and going out and like knocking out some monster route. And then you high five, you have beer afterward, you have good food, music. And so that's kind of what we put together in the absence of going to another event. And I'm so glad that I didn't like go do some research and try Levi's <laughs> Grand Fondo first or, you know, yeah. an Italian Grand Fondo first. So what we came up with was that if we do time sections, then you can write as hard as you want. So Ben King and, and, Eddie Anderson and Ben Wright and my, myself and, and a lot of the other age group contenders can just smash the hell out of each other on the KLM sections. And then on the other side, we stop at the age stations and hang out. And, and when you Ben, he found a football and he's like, Bishop, go along. And I'm like, okay. You know, like and we're like passing the football back and forth. And, that's you know, it was just hilarious. People were like pulling out their cameras. They thought it was like the funniest thing ever, but I mean, that's what we, that's what we do. I mean, now, when do you post this? Uh, September twenty eighth, I believe. AlpineLoopGrandFondo Okay. Okay. Yeah, check it out. And um, the other cool thing that uh, you know, like Trevor was talking about, we have some some really cool new tools. So I'm going to do some training rides for the Alpine Loop Grand Fondo on Swift. Oh, so nice. we have people from Toronto coming. Uh, you know, Miami. Uh, we've had people from Europe come. Um, but these people can't really make it to the training uh, camp. We hold one training camp. I mean, that's all I have time for usually. It's like one weekend in late September. Um, but man, on Zwift, they're going to be like, all right, you know, first Monday of every month, we're going to do, you know, a 100K ride with, you know, 6,000 feet of climbing on Zwift. We're going to talk about some nutrition talk about some training tips or whatever on there. So there's all kinds of cool new tools now and it's kind of forcing us to use them. So kind of, kind of a neat thing. And um, yeah, the other thing I was going to say about the Alpine loop grand fondos, we've got a couple um, cool shout outs to uh, the charities. So we support um, prostate cancer awareness project. So that's the big recipient of most of the fundraising. Nice. And then we also support um, Shenandoah Valley bicycle coalition So all the proceeds from the beer garden um, go to SVBC, and they are like a powerhouse local club. Over 1,000 members. um, We're building trails, uh, creating bike paths, bike lanes, and, um, yeah, it's expanding constantly. It's a a really cool group.
1: And then were there a couple other sponsors that you're going to?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. We've uh, been long time associated with Porsche. Um, so they do our lead out vehicles. It's super cool. We've got, um, some loaner (laughs) cars for the weekend. I tell you what, I really wish I wasn't so busy, like loading and unloading, you know, all of our stuff. We also have us foods. So the loading and unloading is, uh, you know, tons of croissants. We, we go real Euro with the, you know, food as well. So we've got Pellegrino, Belgian waffles. We've got Pellegrino. We've got, uh, Really nice um, Italian baby food. Jams, (laughs) Italian baby food. I usually have some really good cheeses and fruit. And, you know, we really shake it up. And then we also um, have a coffee sponsor. Um, And so it's really cool. Chestnut Ridge Roasters from Harrisonburg. They have an espresso station out there in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia. Nice. It's probably not an espresso machine for... 60 miles in any direction but these guys bring it out there to a local park and uh hook it up and so um, the fraser brothers uh with fraser quarry um host this they also uh own the um, coffee um, company and man it's so cool we even put together like this uh Fondo fit. so check out the vegan cyclist episode on alpine loop grand fondo if you really want to know uh the full story on it because it's it's really a fun time we have a blast uh, cool. We're going to post a link to that, to our, uh, to the yeah. podcast page. And hey, it's super fun. Like it's, it's a lot of party, a lot of hanging out and one bike ride. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then our, our final, I keep saying our final question, but one more question. Um, is there any, is there like a quick little bit of uh, dirt that you can give us on Mark Krantz before we close up here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mark Krantz, he he
0: is a enigma. He's got a ton of talent, and you know if, if he just keeps it consistent, like you know the world is his. Like he'll just be smashing it. So he came down here to train with me, and like I would ride four hours, he would ride five hours. I would do two hours of intervals, and he would do three hours. Jeez. Oh, so yeah, Mark's super talented, great guy. I Really love hanging out with him. We've had him at our house uh, over for dinner a bunch of times. He eats a lot. <laughs> he's like, the boy will put back some food. You we know, made some dinners, and then you know he's like seconds, and then there's dessert. Are you feeding him Spaghettios? <laughs> he should be feeding him Spaghettios. No, it's uh, no, but he's he's a great guy and and super. Uh, yeah, he's very, very fit. He's yeah. he definitely been smashing um, pretty good. He Put me into hurt locker a couple times. Well, oh, he and Trevor went out and he stole a couple of Trevor's KOMs.
1: Yeah, what a jerk! What a jerk! Stole my KOMs, but
0: <laughs> all you gotta do is you just have to like uh, sit on his wheel and and you know kind of play the mind games. <laughs> Tell him you you're make, gonna you him make that sound so easy. For yeah, us. yeah.
1: If I can sit <laughs> on his wheel, that's a little that's that's tough. Well. <laughs> Anyways, Jeremiah, man, we thank you so much for, for your time. It's been cool to just to talk to you right now and for us to to get a little bit of motivation. And we need everything we can get right now. And then to be able to to share this to everyone and hopefully they'll yeah. get something out of it, too. So very cool. Yeah. man.
0: You know, I like to think that, you know, it's um, it's not always easy. Like I'm not super motivated right now either. Like it's honest truth. You know, a situation is, is tough, but it's also one we're in together. You know, we're all kind of in this together and we're all, you know, kind of dealing with it. So, you know, my words to everybody out there is that find your rhythm. And so if your rhythm is only 75% of normal, that's fine. You know, don't beat yourself up about that. Do three days a week of quality and then the rest, you know, just doesn't matter. Just roll with how you feel. Yeah. but. If you keep yourself honest to like that three days a week, you'll come out of this and you'll be like, you know, I feel in shape, but I've also recharged my batteries. Like this is not, not a bad recharge. This is just like one of those things that happens and you have to just roll with it. Don't fight it too much. Roll with it.
1: Beautiful. Thank you, Jeremiah. This was awesome. <laughs> Enjoy your day and hopefully you get yeah. some uh, good quality riding here soon. i go hit some trails fantastic
2: Sounds amazing i'm gonna go explore some uh,
1: ruins of detroit
2: <laughs> yes let's do it
1: i'm gonna do a road ride so there all right jeremiah it all. thank
2: you very much and uh we'll talk to you later yep have a we'll good do one it again all right
0: see you guys see you jeremiah
1: the dirty chain podcast is a michigan mid-pack media production in partnership with kom cycling the source for your bike accessories and necessities
2: Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast. Email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com. Call our hotline,
1: 616-522-2641. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Thank you to Rob Mendering from Episode 21 for allowing us to use his photo for this episode, which we did not screenshot audio
2: editing and original music by Trevor Gibney.
1: Sheldon Little handles the social media, graphic design and of course, bad decisions. And as always, keep your chain clean. Get your chain dirty. We'll see you in the mid-pack.